Trash. Trash. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is percussionist Drew Parent. Drew and I play together in a band called Green Acre Session, and he also is a professor out at uh, BGSU, Bowling Green University, which is about 15 minutes south of Toledo, and uh, he also teaches at several schools around here, Has pr- does private lessons. He is a worker bee. He's a working musician, and uh, we're going to talk to him. This was recorded on the 4th of July, and it was on the way to a gig we had in Angola, Indiana. And so uh, I rode with Drew. Uh, I wanted to. We carpooled, go green, you know, carpool. And he, uh, we, I, I was like, you want to just do a podcast on the way up there? And he was like, sure. So we did it and it's kind of short. So, um, that's okay. It's fine, but we get to know Drew a little bit better and, uh, it was a great conversation and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, there is car noise in the background. I did try to eliminate some of that car noise. It's kind of hard. The car has like this low bassy rumble. So I just sort of like clipped off uh you know some low end there and try to raise some more of the mid where the vocal range is you know try to bring out the voice the the conversation and drown out the noise but it's uh it's still there but it's not too bad you can hear us clearly and it's a nice it's nice i'm just gonna keep saying nice that's the only word i know how to say is nice uh (laughs) This was on the 4th of July. It was hot as balls. The gig was cool. Uh, we uh, it, it, we had to stand in the direct sunlight in a Midwest summer. It was probably like 98 degrees with like full-on humidity. Just ass sweat and balls sticking to the side of your leg. It, it was just... Uh, it, it was fun, though. It was fun. It definitely wiped me out for the rest of the day, though. I got back to the house after that, and it's like... A, it, it wiped me out. Um, anyways, hope your 4th of July was great. Um, hope nobody lost a hand. I was just scrolling through here, uh, <laughs> looking through the news to see if anybody lost a hand. And sure enough, a Florida man, go figure. Um, let's see. Despite calls for safety and leaving it to the pros, there were several injuries reported Wednesday night involving July 4th fireworks. In Lauderdale, a man's hand was partially amputated when the firework he was holding exploded. And then this is a quote. He just fell on the ground holding his hand and screaming because he was so close up to the thing, said one neighbor. And then we quote another from another neighbor. This type of fireworks he used, he tried to throw it. And by the time he threw it, it blew up, said another neighbor. The injured man was taken to Broward Health Medical Center, where he was listed in serious condition. Uh, so, <laughs> this was from uh, let's see, CBS Miami Channel Four. Um, that was their news report. Let's see who wrote it. And they don't even give credit because now it's just blurbs. They're just like a few sentences. I love, I love doing those voices for the quotes. By the way. <laughs> 
Um, this guy lost an eye. So this is in Lewisbury, Pennsylvania. I had my hands on my face. But Pennsylvania has this like, ew, like this weird like, ew, hey guys, what are you doing? Not, it's not like country, but it's like a very, ew, I, I don't know what they're doing with their, ew, they're like squishing their jaw in and going, ew. Anyways, I can't do it properly, so I'm just going to do a southern accent. I had my hands on my face, and I when I put my hands away, I could, oh wait, hold on, let's do that again. Quote, I had my hands on my face, and when I put my hands away, I could see the blood, said Ray Kofi. Uh, a standard 4th of July celebration turned bloody. You gotta love, you gotta love uh, uh, journalism in the way that they write they they always frame it in the worst possible way <laughs> a standard fourth of july celebration turned bloody i was about 40 feet away from where it was i wasn't real close to it and what happened was it was a two inch mortar and it blew up in a tube kofi said a bit of plastic tubing turned into shrapnel and lodged in the kofi's eye they have three inch, four inch, six inch. They go about as big as eight inch. I love that he had to <laughs> tell them that these bombs that he was exploding come in various in various sizes. It would have been funny if he would be like, well, they come in three inch, four inch, six inch, eight inch, nine inch, ten inch, eleven inch, twelve inch, thirteen inch. Like if he would have just kept going with it, like how many, how many, how many sizes does this plastic tube bomb come in? Uh, so let's get back to it. I'm sorry, I'm just reading news articles to you, but I just I, I always find it funny. Like every year, I like to search and find like the accidents that happen. It's not funny people are getting hurt, but sometimes it's funny just the way it's written. Like, like what did they say? A bit of plastic to no wait. Oh, a standard Fourth of July celebration turned bloody. That shit to me is hilarious. So l let's read about what Kofi, uh, Mr. Kofi's. Uh, uh, situation was so they have three inch four inch six inch they go about as big as eight inch which is about the size of a cantaloupe basically so this was just one of your smaller mortars but an explosion in a confined space in a tube like that it doesn't matter said kofi <laughs> what the fuck he's blowing up bombs in a confined space like that's Everybody knows when you blow bombs up, you don't do it in a confined space. I mean, come on, bro. Where'd you learn to blow up bombs? He was in the hospital within the hour, but it was too late. He lost his eye and now has a prosthetic, although he still maintains movement in the muscle. Okay, I read that like an idiot, so hopefully you discern that uh you would think that his experience has scarred him from celebrating the fourth of july forever but quote i'm fine with them i just don't get too close to them said kofi however he does have serious recommendations he believes simple productions could have saved his eye i would recommend that oh hold on quote I would recommend anyone that is even close to fireworks be wearing even the sunglasses. Maybe not safety glasses, but some sort of eyewear. <laughs> he also recommends staying away from alcohol. 
Fuck. He also recommends staying away from alcohol while lighting fireworks and handing the reins over to someone with experience. Let people that really kind of know what they're doing do it. Because just like anything, accidents do happen. But have fun on the 4th of July. That's what it's all about, said Covey. No one was drinking at the time of Ray's accident. (laughs) And no neighbor was at fault. He says when you mess with explosives, sometimes things can go awry. Although he's very grateful to his doctors and says plenty of people have it a lot worse. Love it. This is out of the KRON Channel 4, the Barrier's news station. I don't know. In San Francisco. Yeah, this is a San Francisco report reporting on uh, a uh, accident in Lewisbury, Pennsylvania. Should we do another one? I don't know. Let's see. I didn't really read it over. Eh, nah, we're dead. Anyways, <laughs> I think last year or the year before that, I was talking about um, some football players who got maimed. I think I saw an article. They were like updating. It was like, check out the maimed hand from this ex-NFL player who fucked his whole career up being drunk and exploding explosives in his hands. Anyways, those weren't that ridiculous of stories, but... I just love journal like how journalists write. It's it's just funny. I don't know. Anyways, I hope I didn't waste any more of your time. Uh, I do want you to go to we speak English good at gmail dot com to write me. I don't know why I said go there, but I would like you to go and uh, write the show at we speak english at gmail.com uh you can also uh, check out the barren wasteland that is the we speak english good.net website go over there and just look at it and uh i got some dates with uh green acre session so if you like drew and you want to hear a little bit more about them uh you can come see us and Drew has some other stuff. I don't know really what he has coming up. Uh, I know his other band or he gigs with other bands. And he has also has his uh, uh, percussion group that plays. So I don't know if Drew has a website. Does Drew have a website? Let's see. We're, we're Googling. Drew Parent Percussion um, Toledo. Let's see about drew parrot here it is drewparrot.com oh no 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 hold on <coughs> drewpercussion.com my bad <laughs> let's read the bio oh it's too long i'm not reading all that we'll start here though <coughs> hold on andrew douglas quote drew parent is a versatile percussionist music educator clinician composer and arranger from toledo ohio which is a lie drew lie you are from Saginaw, Michigan. His experience includes teaching and performing in ver- a variety of percussion areas, including drum set, mallet percussion, orchestral percussion, marching percussion, and improvisation. He has lived a life rich in musical exploration, starting at the age of seven with piano lessons, followed by guitar, bass, saxophone, and finally percussion. Drew holds a bachelor's in music education from Saginaw Valley State University, a master's of music in percussion performance from Central Michigan 
University and a specialist certificate in jazz improvisation from Berkeley College of Music Online. Drew has had the privilege to study with Andrew Spencer, Gary Burton, Gladys, Jonathan Ovale, Eric Shin, Tony Rongo. Okay, and it's just more names. Uh, anyways, uh, oh, okay, here we go. Currently, Drew is the drumline director and uh, on and on adjunct. Oh, I didn't know that's how you would say that. Currently, Drew is the drumline director and on adjunct music faculty at Bowling Green State University, professor of percussion music theory at Owens Community College, and percussion director at Maumee Public Schools. Drew also offers private lessons, studio drumming, and percussion recording in his home studio. Wow, we almost read through the whole thing. We might as well keep going. Along with teaching, Drew also maintains an active career as a performer in multiple music genres and on multiple percussion instruments. His current and most active projects are Detroit-based percussion quartet, Rayla Percussion, and Toledo-based funk rock band Greenacre Session. Hey. Drew also has an extensive background in marching art in the marching arts. <laughs> the marching arts. I love that. Uh, Drew also has an extensive background in the marching arch, arts, which includes seven seasons of indoor drumline WGI with North Coast Academy Percussion Ensemble and Arthur Hill High School, along with five seasons of drum corps with the Madison Scouts and Glassman and Maricianos Drum and Bugle Corp. Drew is a member of the Percussive Arts Society and proudly endorses Pearl Adams Drums and Percussion, Black Swamp Percussion, Vic Firth Drumsticks, Remo Drumheads, and Dream Cymbals. So, uh, Drew is a sponsored artist with those things. So, um, Drew is a great drummer. You should check out his videos and stuff. I know this intro is very long, but you know what? It's my show. So you can just skip to the fucking interview if you want. You don't have to listen to me ramble on or read bios off websites. Um, but you can go to drewpercussion.com and check out all the things that Drew's up to. Um, so that's Drew, D-R-E-W-P-E-R-C-U-S-S-I-O-N.com. All right. You guys can follow me on Facebook at We Speak English Good. Yep. <laughs> and on Instagram at We Speak English Good. You can also follow me. My personal Facebook page is just Mike Epp. Um, you can, I don't know. I'm not going to put that link in the show notes, but I'll put Drew's website in the show notes so you guys can just click right on there. we got some gigs coming up. Uh, Greenacre Session at the Blarney, July 27th. It's a three-day work weekend. So July 27th at the Blarney here in Toledo. Um, July 28th at the Beer Stube here in Toledo and Greenacre Session at Briali, the Briali Vineyards and Winery out in Fremont, Indiana. Uh, so that's this month's stuff. There's You can go to the – I'll put also put the um, Facebook schedule for Greenacre Sessions in the show link so you can just, you know, click on it if you want to. I don't know. If you're in Toledo here, I, I mean – you'll know i mean if you're in like china somewhere listening to this thinking that you're getting like a free english education through podcasts 
I'm very sorry that you clicked on the wrong podcast. But you can click on the link and find out where Green Anchor Session is playing here in Toledo. And, uh, you know, as the sun sets on the Red Empire. No, actually the sun's rising. Um, anyways, um, let's get on with it. I've been going on here long enough. So, again, this is Drew Parent. This is on our way to a gig out in Angola, Indiana. And I hope you enjoy the show here. And, uh, oh, I <coughs> also wanted to say, Raina and I will be performing up in Adrian, Michigan at Hooligans on July 14th. So, there you go. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in. Uh, I, I also got some dates in Texas with Skanks Roots Project, but we'll just do that another time. I just, I'm sick of hearing my own voice right now. So, let's get into it. This is Drew Parent on the way to Angola, Indiana. Teenagers is the place to be. Hard living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Manhattan, just give me that countryside. So, I'm here with Drew Parent. Uh, he's the drummer for Green Acre Sessions, and also you are the drum god at BGSU, right? Yes, I teach the drum line at BG. I like that he didn't deny that he was the drug, the <laughs> drum god. Uh, <laughs> he's like, yes, I have the drum god at BGSU. <laughs> but you also do stuff around here, or did you leave your job and you went to BGSU? Um, I teach at a couple high schools, and I teach lessons, and I gig with, obviously, Green Acre Sessions, and um, I have a percussion quartet that plays um, in the Midwest region right now, um, here and there, and a couple side projects, you know. Here and there, just doing stuff, always finding things to do. But yeah, Drew's keeping it sexy. Drew is a full-time <laughs> musician here in Toledo, Ohio. But you're originally from Saginaw, isn't it? I'm from Saginaw, Michigan, which is probably two hours north uh, up into Michigan from Toledo. And uh, yeah. So did you have like music in your family? Was there a lineage of music or? Um, well, I grew up, my mom was a big classic rocker and she had, you know, in the living room was her turntable and stacks and stacks of vinyls sitting there and, you know, she would constantly be blasting Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and uh, Jethro Tull and all those bands from her era and uh, I always loved it and I always kind of had an affliction for the drums, I always liked liked them, and my first instrument was actually the piano, um, and I didn't really like that. <laughs> but did, you, like, did your parents like sign you up for lessons? Well, so my mom played piano for about ten years when she was a kid. She played violin, and she was pretty musically inclined. So I think that's where I get it, because my father definitely wasn't musically inclined. <laughs> what did he do? <clears throat> um, Nothing really. <laughs> oh, okay, awesome. <laughs> that sounds. Uh, so, rode, rode a motorcycle. That was his. Oh, thing. that's dope. Um, but uh, so oh. I think I got it from her, and she tried to get me in piano lessons when I was young, and I was really bored with it. And um, what was boring about it, though? Like, what, you know, I was like seven years old, and I was just yeah. like, you know, learning it, and I just, I, I've always been the kind of person where I don't like when things go slow. Sometimes I, mm. you know. Quick, quick fun fact, I went to middle school here. Oh, Holy Trinity. Yeah, it was terrible. 
It was a, it was definitely like a detriment to my education. It was just like it did nothing for me. It held me back. I got to like real high school and I was so far behind. And they consider themselves a private school. So boring ass piano. You're like I'm not. Yeah. So I really just I wasn't into it for a bit, and then um, eventually I just I really wanted to play guitar. So my mom bought me a guitar, and I got into that, and I started lessons on that too. And it's funny, at the time, you know, my guitar teacher wanted to teach me how to like read music. Actually, and it was take, it was going slow, and I just wanted to read tabs. You know, I just yeah. wanted to like learn all. Like, I don't want to play this stupid stuff. I want to play like you know, Smoke on the Water. You know, yeah, like, yeah. teach me that. <laughs> and uh, so I stuck with lessons for a minute, but then I quit. And I just started teaching myself, and I pretty much was uh, all about guitar until I was about fifteen or sixteen. Um, well, it, well, it was interesting because uh, a, a cute little revelation of last night in the band group chat. <laughs> you were saying how you learned all the solos for uh, I did. Stairway. And, I did, man. Uh, what I did. was the other one? Uh, Freebird. Freebird. <laughs> yeah, man. I would just sit in my room and I would just like learn these solos, like, and then I would just turn on the. Were you going off tab or are you going by ear? How were you learning? Um, I use like tab usually, or right. I bought like the books and they would yeah. have all the transcriptions in them. Nice. Um, but yeah, that was my thing for, for a few years there. I also played saxophone. Look at that. Played saxophone in middle school and the first like year and a half of high school. Um, and there was, I will make note, there was a point in there when my mom asked me if I wanted to do piano again. And I actually was like, yeah, let's try it again. And uh, I did that for like a couple months and then I quit again. <laughs> I couldn't play the stuff that I wanted to play on piano that I was playing on guitar and I just wanted to play that all the time yeah, so yeah. so I kind of just gave that up again but yeah and then I actually started playing drums um, I wanted to play drums in middle school but my mom was like well we have a saxophone you should try saxophone uh, so I said okay so I did saxophone and I liked it um, but then when I was in high school a buddy of mine was in the drum line for the high school and we had you know, some classes together and He'd always talk about how cool it was, and when I was in marching band in high school, my first year, I always watched the drum line, and they were so cool, and I'm just this, you know, nerdy sax player, you know, <laughs> and then there's all these cool drummers. I want to be a cool drummer, you know? <laughs> and uh, so after my freshman year, I got my friend to teach me how to play drums, and uh, my sophomore year in high school, I joined the percussion. And then basically from there, you just, you just kept going. Yeah, you know, I, I still have my guitar stuff for a while, but I eventually, like, sold it all and bought a drum set and just kind of made it my main thing. So you don't even touch the guitar anymore? I don't really. I mean, I have a guitar and a bass and my studio, and, uh, you know, I use them sometimes for... So you can always, like, reference them. You can always pick it up. And if you need, like, if you just need some chords done, you're like, I yeah. can do some chords. Oh, yeah. Crap. I mean, I can't, you know, shred like I could when I was 15. I mean, I literally could play some crazy stuff. I think about it all the time. Like, man, I could play that. That was crazy. But I would literally just come home from school. And, like, from then until, like, I went to bed, I would just sit in my room and literally just have the, the radio blaring and... I'll learn this song today. That's like the greatest time to fucking be like a lonely, like. I was, kid. man. I was, man. I won't. I won't lie. When I was growing up, up till high school, basically, once I joined Drumline in high school, I got more friends and became a lot more social. But up until that point, you know, I won't lie. I was a pretty like school got done, and I would just go home and you know play guitar or play music, and I wouldn't really. I mean, I would do still do st stuff like you know 
like go for bike rides and stuff. But you know, I just wanted to play guitar all the time. No, uh, I feel you, man. Like I was the same way. The thing about me is like I always went to school in different places, like in different locations, and I changed schools a lot because I was a troublemaker. <laughs> but like the benefit, you should, you should talk to Zach about that. Oh, is Zach a troublemaker? <laughs> oh, we'll get to Zach. We're gonna get to Zach. I think, I think I'm just gonna have to do all of you guys individually because it's so hard to get everybody in a setting where we're not just jamming. So it's like, it's, anyways, no, like growing up is, it's like the best. It's like, um, what? It's some kind of philosopher who's like, you do your best reading in jail, right? Like. <laughs> whenever you're like, whenever you're doing, whenever you're secluded like that, yeah. um, like you either sit there and you like go crazy, or you focus that energy into something that is positive and right. like uh, and, and like becoming obsessive with an instrument at a young age like that, especially when you're in a situation where you're like sort of just by yourself a lot it's like that's the best time oh yeah that's the best time and it's like you might be going through some shitty things emotionally as a kid but like you have this outlet that like no one can take away from you and then your incremental gains are your motivation to just mm -hmm. keep going I think also you know I wasn't a sports player either yeah me you neither know, I yeah like, me neither I wasn't you know my, my mom tried to get me into a bunch of things as a kid and I just hated it you know yeah, I was like this like, is dumb yeah. What am I doing right? I'm kicking a ball around, man. I wanna, Sweet, yeah. I wanna awesome. go I wanna go play guitar because I wanna get some chicks. You know? <laughs> it's like I know if I invest enough time into this you know, guitar, I'm gonna I get want some my chicks. future to be just, you know, touring and sleeping in a van and, you know, hanging out with uh, groupies all the time. You yeah. know, I don't wanna be out in the field sweating and like running around. That's stupid. Who wants to do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was it's like sports never was that like even uh, to this day like sports is just like you start talking talking to me about sports like my eyes glaze over and they roll in the back <laughs> of my head I'm, I won't ah. lie I do I do watch some college football now oh how you dare know it's true it's fun to just sit Trader. around with some friends, you know, and like yes, in the fall. And I mean, totally. I mean, I, I teach a drum line for a college, so I have to go to football games. Right. So you're, I can't. You're very involved with yeah, football. Yeah, I can't. Right I can't hate it that much because then I'd just be sitting there. And be like, man, yeah. man, I don't yeah, like yeah. my job. I don't like being here because I don't <laughs> like football, man. Right. <laughs> no, it, it like that. Me too. I don't know anything about sports, but like around the playoffs and stuff, like football can be exciting sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I, I always like the um, the X Games were always entertaining. Like, yeah. I always like watching people fall and break their legs on skateboards. Yeah. Um, I could say I'm a fair weather fan. Yeah, there you go. You I'm, know, I'm with I, that. I'm a fair weather fan. You know, if it's if I hear that, you know, because I'm a, I'm a Detroit fan. Uh oh. And uh, you know, I hear when I hear like. Towards, I don't know, end of summer. Oh, the, the Tigers have been doing really well. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll start watching some games, you know? Yeah, and, you will yeah, jump on <laughs> if they're doing okay. You know, but I mean, you know, other than that, and I mean, really, baseball is kind of the only one that I'm really into, you know, other wow. than, like I said, college football, but... Baseball? Like, you the know. most boring of all the sports besides golf? But you know what's great about it? You just go to a baseball game, it's outside, you get to sit there and have a nice cold beverage, and... You know, just have in a dog. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like it's an event. It's not just I like, do. you know, you go to a basketball game and you're in these cramped seats and you're all like sitting there and these guys are running and making you tired just watching them. You know, I mean, they're running back and forth and you're sweating. You're like, man, <laughs> dude, what? 
<laughs> Slow down. This guy. This guy yeah, I just, yeah, I can't even pay attention right now. But baseball, you know, you just sit there and just kind of enjoy it. And just, you know, there's usually fireworks afterwards, yeah, you know. I feel it's, you, man. I feel you. I, it's, <laughs> it's like, I didn't mind going to Padres games and stuff like that out in San Diego. Like, I would always, they would, I was, I worked at this shitty office for like three years and they always gave away uh, Padre yeah. game tickets. And if I couldn't sell them, I would end up going. But you're not allowed to sell them. Right. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm selling these. We need to cut that from the... Uh... <laughs> oh, I, I have been long fired from that job, so it does not matter. Oh, I already lost my job there. They're looking for entertainment at this diner right here. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're looking for an acoustic act at that 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 place looks like it should burn down. Um, <laughs> well, I, we're going to see a lot of that on this drive, I think. I've been, dude, I used to live in Jasper and Adrian. I actually grew up in Jasper until I was 12 and grew up in Adrian and Jasper and shit. So I'm pretty familiar with this. I got a lot of family in this area right here, like Delta and uh, whatever else is out here. Berkey. Wauseon. <laughs> Wauseon. <laughs> uh, Swantucky. Um, so, okay, so so you got to high school, you started being more social. Where Did you start doing any, like, high school bands, or were you Well, just... yeah, I was in band in high school, like, you know, playing drums. Well, I mean, I meant... Through. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah, like, rock bands or whatever. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I extended... I was, you know, honestly, I was in a band, like, end of middle school, into the beginning of high school with some guys, mm. and uh, it was fun, and we played some, like, you know original shows and stuff but then honestly once like high school started once I started playing drums because I played guitar in those bands oh, yeah. and uh, once I started playing drums I kind of became all about that and I didn't really start playing drum set seriously until college uh, when I was in high school I was all about drum line. Yeah, was, were, were, was, you, were you the quads were, yep were I you? played quads I played snare for a year um but that was like all I was about. I got immersed in it, and I was a big band nerd, and I just my friends. Yeah, but you know, band we were is just so fun, though. Oh yeah, no. I love band. When I say when I say band nerd, it's no, such no, a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. It doesn't mean the same thing it, it used to. Nowadays, no, no. it's like funny slash like I'm proud of it. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. That's what I did. It's like I'm very invested in my like this this fucking trade that I'm right, on, right, you know? right. You got your band nerds, you got your dumb jocks, you got your hippie stoners. You know, you got the whole. Well, yeah. then it was. I mean, now I don't know what it is now. You would know more than me. Yeah. I, I mean, has, has the dynamic and hierarchy in high school is it pretty much remained the same as it was? I, With, I'm gonna say I'm gonna. You know, honestly, I'm gonna say it's different now because of social media. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to remember when we were in high school. You know, the only you know crap talking that happened was face to face. Face to face. You know, or, or like someone notes or passing notes or something. You know, I mean. And now it happens on social media, and then also, like, you know, <clears throat> all the technology with, like, things you can see and watch, and, you know, kids know more stuff now because, you know, they can they can go on, and they can look up whatever, and they, yeah. they can know what's going on, you know, and they can see things, so I think kids just have a different, um, they're definitely going through a different time of technology and everything, but what you're asking about, like, there being those... Well, yeah, those, those, those different, different, like, I want to say clicks or yeah, whatever. Clicks. They're still there. I mean, they definitely are. I think, um, 
certain things are more accepted too, though, like right tolerance with the well, like you know, if kids are in band, like they're not necessarily, you know, the like more nerdy kids in, in the school. Right. They're actually like, you know, you can you cool can do kids, you, you know, can yeah. do a Glee Club. You can do yeah, that without being the, called yeah, a I homo mean, like, or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And like we won't go into the worst words yeah. that we heard, but like we'll just yeah, stay yeah, at yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, no, like that was you know that's cool and yeah, it's okay. So so there's more acceptance and like there's more understanding. But then but then yeah. there's social media where the like the angry kids. If there's are anything, like, I'd say it's more of an even playing field nowadays. Mm -hmm. There's not so much separation in high school quote unquote classes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you don't have your upper class and your middle class and your lower class as much anymore. Um, but I mean, you can still tell there's those, you know, and there's always going to be the kids that are mainly into sports, and then there's always going to be the kids that are mainly into the arts. And there's always going to be those kids, kids that are assholes. And then those kids that just play video games all day, <laughs> yeah. and that's all they do, and that's cool, I guess. You know, whatever. <laughs> like, whatever. You know. I mean, well, and, and you can become a video game uh, tester, too, these days. Yeah, you can make, you can get degrees in like making video games. Yeah, stuff, which so. is my my niece is a my niece is a really good artist. Like she's she's thirteen. You can tell if she develops her art. Like she's not the greatest artist ever, but like she's a thirteen year old yeah. who has very she's skilled, and you can tell if she focuses in. What she does all the time is all she does is draw. I have to I have to make a shout out here. Okay. This, uh, this building coming up to the left. Uh, which is an old school, this was actually uh, G West, which was Glassman Drum and Bugle Corps from Toledo. I don't know if you ever heard of them when you were a kid. Nope. Um, but this was their headquarters, and this I was in that corps for two years. Oh. So like, you know, 18, 19 year old Drew was hanging at this place, and we used to rehearse on that field back there. Oh wow. And we slept and lived in this school. So the school is just this huge building. I mean, it's what a big old school would look like. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle I mean, of nowhere. Surrounded, surrounded by right up the fields. street is like a cattle butchering thing. <laughs> like seriously, like where they like butcher cattle. Like, right. And um, when we'd be rehearsing here in the summer, the smell would just like waft oh, over. Oh, like the like, cesspool? Oh yeah, man. It smelled so bad. Oh, it, was, it was bad, man. I, I had some pretty fond memories, you know. That's cool, that's cool. How did you yeah. even end up, oh wait, were you still in Saginaw and driving down? Well, Drum and Bugle Corps is, uh, there's a lot less of them now than there were that when I was doing it, which was mm. you know, 16 years ago. Um, a lot of it's been because just money, it's expensive to run one. Um, Drum and Bugle Corps, what the fuck is that? I'm sorry. <laughs> so what it is is basically if you could take high school marching band, uh -huh. right? And if you were to like compare that to the high school's football team, right? Okay. Um, and then basically Drum and Bugle Corps is like the NFL to marching band that oh. football, like NFL is to so football. So you guys were competing and stuff. You guys were training. So like, Drum and Bugle Corps are like literally the best of the best people that do marching band stuff and playing in the in the world. I see. So you came and like stayed there. It was like right. It was so like it's spring way, training. Right. Shit. The way Drum and Bugle Corps works is it's open to anybody, but uh -huh. it's it's via audition and their season runs. Like right now we're in the heat of their season. Oh, okay. um, they're you know all touring the country right now and playing at competitions and stuff. And the season basically starts. They have auditions in, in November and December. And um, 
then they set the group usually by January, and then once a month on a weekend, January through like mid-May, they have camps where you come to wherever they're rehearsing and you, you know, stay there Friday through Sunday and you're learning the music and you're practicing marching and doing all this stuff at a really high level. And then once mid-May comes around, there's this thing called move-ins where basically that's when you leave for the summer and you go, like you're basically going on tour, like if you were to go on tour yeah, with a band. Yeah, yeah. And for the first two to three weeks of that summer, that we would live at that place. Oh, wow. Like that was our home for like three weeks. We right. lived there and we would do nothing all day, every day, but rehearse that's from like sweet. nine to nine every day. Damn. So, and just like learning our show and perfecting it and, and everything. And then once move-ins was, was done, then we would, they would put us on like five tour buses and two semi-trucks and we would tour the country uh, for about two and a half months and just be doing nothing but playing shows and rehearsing basically. And there would be some, like, you know, don't get me wrong, it wasn't like, you know, they, we had free days in there too and like days when we would be in cool cities and stuff and we would get to go like explore and do stuff. But really what you were there for was to like compete and like be in this group and like just be badass. Yeah. You know, like you just wanted to be badass at, right. at playing drums and whatever. And everybody's on the same page. Everybody's right. like, like you, you take, you know, take it's, if, you, if you take every marching band, you've got your like three, four, like all star people in the band that like are like way better than everybody else and they like take lessons and they practice a lot. That was what drum corps are made up of. Gotcha. They're made up of like the all star students from like schools that have really sweet marching bands. They go and it's hard to make it in. I mean, thousands and thousands of kids audition every year for these groups and so they only take like, so many people in so is one, this so. like an ohio chapter like how is no it's uh, it's called drum corps international okay. and um it's made up of drum corps all over the country um the glassman just happened to be the one from toledo gotcha. which it was the closest one from where i live hence the glassman right they were the, the they were the glass city yeah the glass city their, their first name i think was the glass city optimists Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> that was their first name. But um, but yeah, and now I how actually long is, how long has this been going on for? Like oh, like, drum corps has been going on since like the early 1900s. Or, oh, sorry, uh, the early 20th century. Okay, the earliest er, earliest 20th century. Well, yeah. And, so and like, and then what would what was the point when it first started? Was it just to compete, or was same it same thing? Like, marching well, it with was the wars. It, so what it was was. Um, in the beginning, it was mainly Boy Scout troops. Oh. So, like, Boy Scout troops would make these marching bands, and then they would, like, compete for fun or whatever. And then it just kept growing and growing, and, you know, independent drum corps started joining, and people just started drum corps, and, you know, at one point, there was, I mean, a couple hundred drum corps in the country. I mean, there was wow. a lot. Almost every, almost every decent size city had one. Um, there was one from where I'm from, Saginaw. There was one in Saginaw called the Saganeers. Yeah, they were the Saganeers. They eventually became Northern Aurora was their name. Why, why but did, they were around for a long time. And um, but why why didn't you well, why didn't you join them? Instead? Well, actually, they were they had folded before I oh. was able to march. Um, and that's what's happened basically to most or a large portion of all those drum corps since then is they've all like gone under. They folded because. A lot of them just went into debt and didn't have the money and the resources. And I won't lie to to do drum corps these days; it's it's not cheap. Yeah, that, um, that's like typically 
each member pays between three to five thousand dollars for the, the for the summer. Yeah, yeah. You pay three to five thousand yep. dollars. Yep. Damn. Yep. And then, so when you were going, was that kind of what you guys? Were the doing? most I paid was my age out year, which was the last year. They they cap it, so you can only do it until you're 21, okay. and then you can't do it anymore. You age out, and um, so my age out, I think I paid fifteen hundred. Okay. My first summer, I paid like five hundred. Oh wow! So it um, kept going up. But that was with like a really. I actually marched three different drum corps. Oh. And I marched a small. Before I was at Glassman, I actually marched a small division three corps. They used to have these things called divisions, where it was like one, two, and three, and one was like the biggest ones, the best ones, and then two the middle, and then three was like smaller corps made up of like you know sixty, seventy kids, and uh, I did one of those for two years. From actually from Wisconsin. Oh wow! So you drive to Wisconsin? <laughs> so I would go to Wisconsin like yeah <laughs> once a month that's uh, during the winter months, and then but yeah, so that's drum corps. I mean, it's, it was in, and I won't lie, um, and I have a couple buddies that I hang out with a lot still right now, and who did drum corps too, and we talk about all the time how that made us better musicians in a lot of senses of the word. You know, just work ethic. Yeah, and, um, well, 12 you know, hours a day, you're just focusing. Going hard, and, and yeah. but, like, the one thing is it makes you really strive for perfection, which can be a good thing and a bad thing a lot, because, yeah. I mean, there's times where, you know, if something's not perfect, it pisses me off, you know? Right, and, like, and, like, and you can carry that with you for, like, an entire day, <laughs> Like right? in our band, you know? Like, some days I'm just like, God, why isn't this, why aren't you guys better at this? <laughs> be better! <laughs> why aren't you practicing more? And, you know, and then sometimes it's just like, well, you know, I just have to be relaxed and, you know, be laid back. But, but again, it was a very good experience, and it helped me make, you know, a lot of good decisions and made me into the music musician that I am today. So, so were you going like? Were you, so you went from high school. Did you go straight to college? I did go straight to college. And then, um, so you're doing that while you're still in school, right? In college, right? And yeah, I started it while I was in high school. And where'd you go to school? For college? Yeah. My undergrad is from Saginaw Valley, which is actually the college in the city I was from. Yeah. Um, I chose to stay home because it would be cheaper and you know we weren't a super wealthy family when I was growing up so oh but you now know, you are <laughs> no, <laughs> now no I, I just I just <laughs> we're rolling in it now um, no it was just that you know my mom was a single mom basically and you know we didn't have a ton of money and so it's like alright I can stay home I can save money Hell yeah. you know because I worked all through college to help put myself through and everything and so I went there and uh, it was a good experience, made a lot of really good friends and learned a lot. And um, But then for grad school, I went to Central Michigan, which wasn't very far from Saginaw. It's in Mount Pleasant, mm. Michigan, which is basically right in the center. And um, went there for my master's. And after that, basically moved to Detroit. And Did you, uh, when, did you go to, uh, did you go through... Um you get any like uh what's the thing money for school because of your plane what the fuck is uh, scholarships. scholarships thank you <laughs> um in undergrad i did not have any scholarships no i actually joined the music department late i, f I first was convinced i was going to be a nurse oh my mom you know i was going back and forth about the music thing and my mom was like well i think she was kind of looking out for my future 
that makes any sense. It does and she sense. knew that b- music might not be uh, awesome. I don't know. Um, but she basically was like, you know, nursing is, uh, I think Zach's right behind us right now. Um, (laughs) for those of you listening our bass player is behind us in the car right now and I just gave him a very um, welcoming signal (laughs) Um, but anyways so I was going to be a nurse well they make you take this class like your first year in college if you're going to be a nurse and it's like can you handle being a nurse because if you know this, but you know, nurses like do things like clean up poop yep. and wipe blood. people's butts and blood and yeah. use needles. And I'm not a fan of needles. I will mm. say that right now. Mm. I'm not a fan of, of getting blood drawn and I still am like a huge wimp about it. Yeah. Um, but so I took this class and basically was instantly just thwarted away from <laughs> like wanting to be a nurse. I, I was like, I don't care if I could start off making 60k a year and have like the best benefits in the world. I do not want to do this for a living. I cannot do it. So, which was which <laughs> takes a lot of fucking balls, especially when your mom's like, "Hey, do this. Like, this will make sure that you have a comfortable life. You can right. always do music." Right. But then that was her thing. Live. That was her thing, you know. And I but, wasn't really sure I want to do music as it's a living. Something, at the time, it's so. something I always come back to. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean. I know no, you're, no, you're on a roll here, but it's something I always come back to that I think is important is that parents will push kids' dreams right the fuck out of their head at such a young age because they're only worried about their future. Right. But they're not. But the problem is, is that people aren't educated enough, or at least don't educate themselves enough, to know that like you can have a, a life in art. Yeah. And it just depends on what you want to do with it, and like how you focus it, and like because you can do because like you're a teacher and you like are running drum lines and uh, and you do bands and you do a lot of what you want to do. So like yeah. it's not like you're a miserable person. Like. And I will say this: my mom didn't necessarily. She didn't push me to do that because I, I was unsure at the time I'll admit like I didn't even well, know what I wanted to do you're mom, 18 you don't so, know shit right. so basically my mom was like well, why don't you just like look into this one thing so yeah. that's kind of what I did and at first I was like yeah this sounds good I'm gonna get a job or whatever make some money good money and right. you know, blah 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 um, and then I just discovered that you know right away it's not like, what I, terrible. that's not what I wanted to do I so I touch poop or poop. so um, so I joined the music program right after that and um, so I joined kind of late, so I didn't get any scholarships, which is a good question. That's what's where we started. But, um, but in grad school, I did get something uh, called an assistantship, which um, whenever my students talk about going to grad school, I always say, get an assistantship. Go, go somewhere, get an assistantship is basically where you go to grad school and they basically pay for it. Like, you don't have to pay. Mm. Um, and there's different levels of it. Some of them can be like half-time assistantships where you still have to pay, but they like cut half your bill or something. But I had a full assistantship, and it basically meant that um, I didn't pay for school, and I got like eleven thousand a year, like oh. they paid me. But I had but I had work I did. So like I taught the drum line at the college I was at, and I um, taught some classes or assisted with some classes, and you know had to teach some lessons. So I basically was working and getting experience like doing that stuff right. especially uh, while like, I was going to school especially like 
that's such a good that's such a good skill to learn, especially because like you're putting together because you have to put together lesson plans. And you're forced to and you're yeah, it's basically to like. Yeah. So this is how I'm gonna go teach the world when I leave here. <laughs> like yeah. you're basically setting a foundation for yourself on how you're going to approach teaching, right? For, and how that all came about, you know, this is kind of the thing. Was like when I went to undergrad, I went and got my music ed degree. So at first, I, you know, kind of the progression of how I got to where I am now is. At first, I thought, well, I want to be a band director. I want to teach a teach high school band or whatever. So I got a degree in that, and then I really felt like I wanted to challenge my playing, my performing more, so that's why I was like, alright, I should go to grad school and get a degree in performance. So I went to grad school for a degree in performance for percussion, and while I'm in grad school, my mind changes, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to teach college. Teaching college is so much better, like, you know, it's, it's going to be way cooler. So I had that in mind. Well, you know, especially today, 30 years ago, you could get a job teaching at colleges with only a master's degree with you, if you had good experience, but nowadays, it's most schools are looking for guys with doctorates, which I don't have and I don't plan on getting because that's a whole other level of academia that I just don't give a... Yeah, you don't care about Yeah, I just... <laughs> like, I just you got what you want. You know, it's you just... Know. I, I want to play now. I don't want to... Yeah, so, so, most jobs teaching college, they, like, require that now. And you can still get some at, like... Community, well, like, you cause, are. well, yeah, because I teach at BG, but I'm not the full-time percussion guy there. There's another guy that does that. Yeah. I just do the drum line. He has a doctorate, so. Um, but I do teach at Owens Community College in Toledo, and I do all the percussion lessons there, and I teach a couple classes. But that's, you know, I don't need a doctorate to work there because I'm an adjunct, you know, part-time. Yeah. So, um, so then after college, I, or after grad school, I moved to Detroit, and that's why I lived there for a while, and I started gigging a lot. When did you, know? you when did you meet your wife? Oh, I didn't meet her until um, after I was in Detroit um, for a few years. I got a job in the city that we're currently driving to, actually. Oh, in Angola. Angola. Yes, I got a job at Trine University, which is the school that's there. It's a small uh, private college, teaching and doing percussion and marching band and music theory and percussion ensemble and I actually did the jazz bands while I was there too so oh, wow. so I got that job so I moved there and uh, you know I didn't really know anybody and uh, you know I was getting to the point where I want to meet someone you know so I single ready to mingle yeah <laughs> and there wasn't really anybody in Angola Indiana that really tickled my fancy I don't think so <laughs> um, so you know I won't lie I joined eHarmony and uh, two three dates in I met my wife Wow! And, uh, Success story for internet dating, everyone. Yeah, man. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. And and now she likes to come to your shows and you scream Freebirds, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. I guess. Now that we have two kids, uh, she doesn't come to that many shows. To be honest with you, it's rare that she's at a show because. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I but the the first and only show I've ever played with Green Acres says she was like sitting front row, like. <laughs> well, she she, head, she does awesome. that because she knows I hate it. <laughs> right. She knows that, like, I've come home from gigs and been like, man, when is it just going to stop? When are people just going to stop yelling free bird at every single band that's playing? And now she makes it a point that every single show, she has to be the person that does that. So, Well, at least it's, it's her and not some asshole that you will never want to talk to. Right. Okay, so so you were in Detroit for a while. You were in Ferndale. Yep. And that was because you were working there. Well, I got out of grad school. I had to go somewhere. 
Oh, oh, you and, didn't want to uh, go back to Sh Saginaw. No, I once I was out of Saginaw, I won't lie, I did not want to go back. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that. <laughs> well, I mean, how big is Saginaw? How it's big? it's pretty. I mean, it's it's about the same size as Toledo. Really? Saginaw is about the same size as Toledo? Yep. Is Has Saginaw gotten cooler since you left? No. Oh, sweet. Um, I will say there is some stuff happening there a little bit, but it's nothing like Toledo. That's it. Um, but anyways, so I moved to Detroit. I had a buddy, a really uh, my best friend basically, uh, Patrick, and he is a percussionist too. He was in drumline with me in high school, and he was living in Detroit, and he had some work for me. So I moved down there, and... Um, Started teaching at some high schools and started playing gigs here and there and um, got into a couple bands and uh, started playing some shows and was playing a pretty decent amount with about three, four groups by the time I left. Um, and I was also teaching a lot. Um, and I had a pretty good thing going. Um, but then this job came up in Indiana and it was teaching college and, you know, I was sad to move away from my what, friends and my bands. But What year was this? What year was this? I was in Detroit from 11 to 13, okay. 14. So Detroit then, was still kind of in shambles from the whole economic collapse. But I mean, it's been a honestly, man, it's been a long time since like that was, you know, fresh. Um, Detroit's just kind of been what it's been for a while now. Well, I mean, it was like um, what 2008, 2009. There was the whole thing, wasn't it? Wasn't it 2008? that like we had that whole economic collapse all over America and it sent the world into an economic tailspin. Well, but yeah, but Detroit Detroit had already they'd already been It already shit for it years. already had bombed in like like the 70s 70, and 80s. Yeah. yeah, because you know the 70s and 80s mainly like the 80s especially was when we started to see important cars more. Right. And, and their cars started and being that's, shitty. Yeah. Well, not that, but just people started buying more because the American cars were being were making shit. They were making the Ford Pinto. <laughs> it's like, you know, anyway, yeah, anyways, we're not, we, won't, we don't have to talk about the car industry, but, but, but the car industry drove Detroit, and so I was interested, that's why I was like, so Detroit, at that time, where was the music, because like, right now when you talk to people in Detroit, they're like, the music scene here is fucking crazy, bro, yeah, and like, and, and I believe them because they're players in the game, and you know, so, I'm just, I'm just, because like, it goes through waves, right? Yeah. And Detroit at that time, it seemed like it was on the upswing. Yeah, I mean, definitely right now the music scene there is really up and coming. I mean, there's a lot of good groups, and like I said, uh, you know, we were talking. I don't know if this thing was recording yet. No, we weren't. Um, but you know, when you go to band shows there, uh, you, you don't see bad acts. I mean, the bad stuff doesn't even get. <laughs> play you know Stage yeah it's it, you know there's a lot of and I have buddies in a few bands right now that are doing really really well and I'm super happy for them and the scene is just it's, it's good music is alive in Detroit and a lot of good music's coming out of there and I mean I think music has always been alive in Detroit yeah. I just think it's been shadowed by um, you know yeah. industry coming down and stuff but I mean Motown was there you know yeah, and I mean Motown. there's still a lot of big studios there um, you know there's a lot of stuff going on and, and it, the downtown is up and coming there's a lot of things being built and I know a lot of big businesses are trying to bring more business there and, 
from Quicken Loans. Quicken Loans, Victor yeah. Do- Madonna. A buddy of mine worked for Quicken Loans, and uh, when he got the job, they said they would pay for him to have an apartment downtown. Nice. Like they were encouraging their, their employees to move downtown and live there. Wow, that's and, cool. And, um, yeah, so it's cool. I, you know, every time I go up there, which I go up there often because I still gig a lot. I was just up there last week. And, um, you know, I often I'm like, man, I wish I still lived here. You know, I say, I say that all the time. I, you know, I, it's such a... So, so you moved, so you moved to Angola and, and then you met your wife and then, I mean, what, why Toledo? Well, she, she's, was in Toledo. Oh, she lived in Toledo. Um, she went to Toledo college, she went to UT mm-hmm. and then she basically never left. Oh, where's she from? She's from, uh, Youngstown. Youngstown. I think you might have told me that because, anyways. But she basically moved to Toledo for college, and then she just never left. She stayed there. Yeah, and it's she's, better than Youngstown. That's for sure. Yeah. And um, you know, before she met me, even she's yeah. been a since then she's been a professor at UT. She teaches. Oh wow. Teaches there. So. And um, she she have her masters or just her masters, her masters, yeah. Um, so when we met and things started getting serious, uh, and I eventually proposed um, you know I just said I was like yeah I'm gonna move to Toledo because your job is way better than mine <laughs> and you make way more money than me and I can make it work in Toledo I'm a musician I can get I can get work and when I first moved I, I definitely had a hard time for a few months I was getting kind of anxiety was running high and getting work was was tough I mean it's always I mean I didn't really know when I moved to Detroit, I moved. I, I knew a lot of people, so I could get. Yeah, you knew you had a you had a base foundation. Right. But in Toledo, I didn't really know anybody. I had a couple friends that were band directors, but I mean they're on a different scene and just right. Yeah. You know, so I uh, it was it took a while um, to get work, but once I did, it actually like it was like you know the old saying when it rains it pours. You yeah. know, it was like I was in a drought for a while, and then all of a sudden, I think. The first summer I was here, because I moved here in February, and like February through like July, it was just like, man, it was hard getting work. And then by like middle of summer, I think in one week, I got like three jobs. <laughs> like I got, because I before I was at Bowling Green teaching, I taught at UT as well. Oh. And I think in one week, because I had applied at a bunch of non-music places too. Yeah. In one week, I got a job at Home Depot, <laughs> Owens Community College, and UT. In oh, one so- week. Nice. So it was like nothing, and then all of a sudden, everything. Boom. So, um, so you took that job at Home Depot, and then, I did. I did. I oh, you at, did? Yeah, I did. Oh my god. No, gosh. I worked there. I worked there, uh, and Owens and UT all at once. Oh, you're just like fucking. I'm, I'm doing this. Yeah, I just took them all, and uh, I basically had the goal of all right, I'm gonna drum up enough work. To be able to, uh, what was interesting? Yeah. <laughs> enough work to not have to do a non-music job, right? Because even when I was in Detroit and doing all the stuff I was there, I still had a part-time job that wasn't yeah. music, just yeah. to help pay bills. So um, once, like March of the next year, rolled around, I had gotten enough lessons and was playing with some groups and teaching enough that I just I quit Home Depot which was great and that was full time music and I am still that t- till today so what, so when you um, 
when you're going into a new market and you're looking for like students, stuff, what's the first thing you do? How do you start? Well, honestly, getting in at schools is kind of um, the big one. Okay. Because if you start teaching at a school, there's students there. Right, you have and built in. There's going to be a handful that probably want lessons. Right. And then if you do good, then like they suggest lessons to other people. And um, probably one of my biggest connections that I've made in Toledo is my, my good friend Justin Fuica. Uh, he's the manager at Reddig Music, which is like kind of the big music store in Northwest Ohio for band and orchestra at least. Right. Um, but he know you know he's the manager there and he knows all the directors in the area because they deal with them. And um, I met him pretty early on and we became friends and we hang out all the time now because we're both drummers again. Um, he plays in the new fashioned. Oh, oh he's the Jake, drummer Jake, with uh, Jake, yeah, Jake and Peter yeah. and Tim and Mike. Um, I don't know anybody other than right. Jake. <laughs> so uh, he, Justin plays drums with them. Oh, so he's sweet. he's pretty known in the area and he, they play a lot. I mean, in my opinion, you know, I know we're a cover band too, but in my opinion, they're the best. They're, they're, they take, they are you know, the best cover band in Toledo. They, they could go to Detroit and be a solid like act and on some serious stages to be honest um, so just a shout out to, to those guys New they're, fashion. they're great Jake Palouse yeah they are awesome yeah um, I had Jake on the show he was, he's a, really he's nice a great guy, guy. I mean every time I see him man they just they're all they're every single there's five of them and every single one of them are class act really good musicians you know nice. it's it's a good combination but anyway, so having him as a friend to get me some lessons has been helpful and some yeah. other gigs. So uh, it took a minute, but once it got started, I mean, I've pretty much been doing well. Um, I would like to have less jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, I teach at uh, two colleges, three high schools, and then I have a n large number of lessons, So, plus playing gigs. Um, I would like to not have that much work. I, lo I love doing it, and I love all the students and the programs. Um, I'm just really, really busy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're pulled. In, you're pulled so thin, and then you have a family also who needs attention. Right, and now I have two kids and a wife. And, and, yeah. yeah well, you know, and, and I was just saying this to my friend the other day. Like, I was like, you know, what? in San Diego, we were so busy hustling just to make rent, and like, cause I was. I wasn't just, you know, I was playing music. I was, I had a studio in my garage. I was, I was do, I, I was doing so many different things. We owned our own business, so like I would be doing shit for the business, plus family time, plus kid, whatever. And like, what I, what I realize now in retrospect is like, I was pulled in so many directions that like my plane wasn't. I don't think wasn't where it should be should have been yeah because like you can't devote enough time to each thing and be really good at like and ever since I've been out here I, I do feel like I'm kind of on an island because I did move here I didn't really know anybody I got my family of course who all lives in Toledo but like I didn't know any musicians and all my friends have either left or you know they're busy with their own lives so like I just sit in my house and I have like literally nothing else to do but like be with my family and play so it's been nice to just focus in and now as things are starting to pick up I'm, it, you know, thing, I'm starting to get stretched more but like it's amazing that the gains that I've had just just slowing down and just focusing in on just 
just music right now. It's it's weird. I feel what you're saying. Cause at the time, I didn't I didn't realize what was happening. Cause like I'm just in motion, you know. Like we're worried about making that twenty five hundred dollar a month rent. So it, it's uh, it, it gets fucking really, really, really um, stressful. Yeah. I don't know the lack of better words. And it, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah, you, you know, you get stressed and like you're just like, oh, I gotta go there. Now I gotta be across town. Now I gotta be over here. And I think the other battle with being a musician too. Is you know you have your things that you can do to make money, to to make ends meet, and it's still music stuff. Like for me right now, teaching. Yeah. You know I teach way 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 more than I play. Yeah. And I do love teaching, and I always want to teach, but it's not allowing me the time to be able to practice and get good at what I want to get. Like you know, I want to be better at drum set. You know, every every time I play a gig, I, I think that's the same thing you said. You know, I should be better at this. I mean, even though I'm fine, yeah. you know, there's always those personal things where you're like, Man, I wish I, I wish I was better at this, and I wish I had the time to, you know, craft a, a, some more. And I don't trust a musician who says, when I ask like, what could you improve on in your playing, and they say nothing. I don't trust that. Yeah. Most of the time that means that they're either not that good or that they have stopped growing as a person and thus as a musician because, because dude, like, the greatest thing about music is that it's never ending and it's like, it's an infinite thing that you could just always learn something new. Like, right. there's nobody out there that knows every single thing about every fucking, you know, for every genre, for everything, you know, right. like, there's always some weird... Tuvan, Peruvian fucking throat whistler weird shit you can get into. So like like it, it's it's a it's a it, it's a never ending journey and yeah. to say that you've uh, reached the end of that means that what you, next is death that you're gonna die now like and, and I only said and I've only talked to one person by the way who's actually said that I don't need to improve on anything. And his name is T Money Green. And I don't I don't think he's full of shit. Because he is a great bass player, and he played like on all of the um, like um, uh, Snoop Dogg albums, like wow. the Doggy Style. Uh, he played the bass for Warren G's uh, Regulators. He played on the Coolio song, whatever that Coolio. Um, Gangsters, Gangsters Paradise. Nice. He played because they would we go. We'll spend a month our lives Paradise. Yeah, <laughs> which was a well, who was who was it originally? It was Michael McDonald song, which is no, no, no. Regulars was a Michael McDonald song. Coolio's song, I forgot what, what um, I forgot what the original song yeah. was. Uh, but but so he would be part of that studio <clears throat> band, and so I talked to him, and he was like, Yeah, I don't, I don't need, I'm good. I, I like do because I always ask musicians when I talk to them. I was like, "What's what's a weakness? What's a weakness that you're working on in your playing that you've overcome in the past, or you're working yeah. on currently?" And when I asked him that, he said nothing. It <laughs> was very confidently nothing, and I was just like, "Oh, okay. So you're done growing as a musician. I get it." And he doesn't have to. Like he's just sitting in Detroit right now, just collecting checks. Yeah. So he's not. He's not fucking. He don't give yeah. a fuck. He plays shows because he still likes to play shows. Yeah. So whatever. Anyways, yeah. No, you you get pulled in so many directions that sometimes it, it pulls away from what mm -hmm. you really love. 
and, and the further away you get from that, the further away, I don't know, that uh, happiness? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, you seem pretty happy. I'm not saying no, you're yeah. a happy person. And I'm not trying to judge what you're doing at all. Because what you're doing is way more than I'm fucking doing. I'm just saying. No, I mean, you know, I do love doing what I'm doing, but I will say, again, it's just a lot of time with all the teaching. And, right, um, you want to focus on your playing. Right. And I do have, you know, right now I'm try trying to start my own, basically, business. Yeah. Um, my goal right now is kind of like, we always have goals, you know. Of course, you Teaching should. things, I'll, I'll always teach, but my goal right now is to... I have a studio that I built in my basement, and I'm just slowly adding on to it and, and you know, building it up. And my goal is to basically record drums for people mm. and just do drum tracks, like, for solo artists, whatever. Yeah. Um, I also want to start writing my own, you know, stuff. I want to start writing my own tunes, and, and I want to, like have a band that plays my tunes and you know or we do tunes together too it doesn't yeah. have to be uh, just my tunes but uh, like a certain style of music that I'm really like into right now and uh, that I've always been into and um, you know that's kind of what I want to be doing I want to be teaching but I want to have most of my income being from like selling drum tracks like doing drum tracks for people in my studio and like you know sending them out and you know, also maybe get on the uh, commercial music train and like you know writing it, writing some like jingles and and just shit, like putting right. them out there and you know getting some like some of those picked up and yeah man and that that's when that's when you get to that point where you never have to leave your house. <laughs> that's, <laughs> honestly, I, you know, <laughs> we talked, that's my goal. We talked I, we talked earlier about how when I was a kid I would just go home and sit in my room and play right. guitar all day. And now um, that's what you want. That's do what again. I want to do now. It's so funny how you just, I just come back to. I just like, want to sit in my house. I want to get up in the morning, have my cup of coffee, stroll downstairs into my studio. I yeah. want to spend eight hours just down there working on some tracks, recording some drums. Like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna try to do that. I mean, again, I'll, I'll always be teaching, um, in some form. I won't completely leave that. I don't think I could unless I got you know crazy famous and I was touring. Um, I just can't. <laughs> yeah, I just literally I can't because I'm on the road. But I mean, I think I'll always be teaching in some form. You know, especially at like a college, yeah. um, just because that's a lot more laid back and the kids are, you know, more in tune with what's going on, and you don't have to be as much like a babysitter as you do in high school sometimes. Yeah. Um, I can see that. But that's kind of my goal right now. I just, you know, I wanna want to get the studio rolling. I actually just bought some new equipment that I'm waiting to come in. What'd you buy? Um, I bought uh, a Behringer Euphoria um, interface. Oh, yeah. An interface. Um, it's a rack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a 16 channel or eight input something. And then uh, something. Or yeah, I I will preface this. I'm not super knowledgeable about recording gear yet. Mm. Um, my gear has been limited to like a MacBook and like this mixer and uh, a couple mics. I haven't done much. So that's like you know it's another thing I need time for is to to get better and learn about recording. Um, but I made they, they got some sales going on right now from Sweetwater so I bought there's some sales I bought I bought the interface I bought some new studio monitors I bought some stands I bought um, a snake um, and uh, a couple other things but so yeah hoping to get the studio 
you know, like a little bit more up and going it, soon to where I can a, record some better stuff. It's getting harder to get in, to break into that whole like commercial jingle stuff, but it's still very doable. I talked to a guy who lives in Point Place. His name is Mighty White. He did. He composed uh, most of the music for The Blind Side. You remember that movie? Yeah. Uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens guy with Sandra Bullock. He composed the music music for that. He has contracts with Nike, Ford. I mean, like he does. A buddy of mine, like, all that shit, and like he just does it like yeah. just like you're saying. He wakes up, but he has the the no nitros. Like he has the nitro <laughs> coffee. No, no, the fucking the energy drinks. Oh, like right. whatever. I think it's monsters, but like he has the monsters. He goes down there, he smashes monsters, and sits there, yeah. just dicks around all day. My good buddy go. Pat that I mentioned earlier, my my good friend who is in Detroit, yeah, um, he does that a lot right now, and he's got stuff. We were just talking the other day because I played a gig with him, and uh, he had a company. Because what you do is you make you make these tracks, and then you send them to companies, and if they like them, they accept them, and they put them on this like basically like a, a yeah. roster list, mm-hmm. and companies go to them and they're like we're looking for something with this sound and then they go to their like thing and they check their stuff out so like the other day he said that they sent him an email and they were like yeah we like this there's a possibility we might be using this one track can you add this to it and make it sound a little bit more like this so they'll they'll hit him up and he'll have to like tweak it make it sound how they want and then send it back and if they end up liking it like they could be selling it to like some commercial or something and he just gets a check for couple thousand dollars or right. whatever you know and there I mean it is that's your yeah that's your money there, there it is yeah <laughs> so. and like he went through it when I talked to money way he went through the whole thing he's like yeah he's got agents and it, he was just an accident that he kind of got involved in it because he just wanted to make beats for like rappers and shit um, and, and yeah now he just that's all he does I mean he does like he has his own band I forgot the name of the band it's like a fucking metal band it's like a prog metal band they're actually pretty fucking dope they have their own lighting rig they have their own thing that they tour with and they fucking rip and he rips too he's like he plays guitar in that band and that's it he just has his little band that he does on the side and then he just sits in there which is amazing, you know, like to me. Uh, like, I know another guy who I talk to frequently on the podcast, Bentley Michaels. Shout out, love Bentley. Uh, he's a voiceover actor, but he also does music on, uh, for, like, I think he did it for Alaskan Catch or something. So, like, these people, in, like, you can exist as a musician in these littler towns where you're not paying crazy money like LA, and you can make a really good living just doing that if you can get in. Right. And I think it's also, you know, about the creative side, too. It to is, totally. And, and, you know, you were saying earlier how you always ask musicians, you know, what's something that they could really improve on or whatever? What's a, which, why don't we ask? And I, well, now? I was just going to say that, like, I feel like that's where I need to improve is my creative side. Because I'm really, it, to writing, writing for me is, is tough because I'm very critical one. So, like, being able to write music and compose stuff, like, you have to be able to, like, accept crap. Or, like, you have to be able to, like, accept that you're going to write a ton of crap, mm-hmm. and from, like, this giant mound of crap, you might get, like, one good idea. Because yeah. people do that, and that's what they do. And they say that you just have to get past the, like, critical side of things, and just, if you have an idea, just try it and make it something, and you have all these ideas, and eventually you find something. So, but it's always hard for me to do that. Um, and I actually just had a breakthrough in this, in this uh, kind of problem I'm having recently. Mm-hmm. 
um, I was trying to like write stuff and be creative on my bass and on my keyboard. Well, I'm not primarily a keyboard or a bass player. Right. But in my head, I'm like, I need to write some stuff on these instruments. Yeah. But nothing was ever coming out like feel-wise and just kind of how I wanted it. So I had this idea. I was like, why don't I start by sitting down at the drum set, which is where I'm naturally yeah. comfortable at, and come up with some grooves. That's all I'm going to do. Come up with some grooves, loop them, just like, you know, sit there, play it for like 10 minutes straight, just come up with some grooves. So I did that, and I actually just wrote a song, or wrote a jam, where I started with the, the drum part, and then I just sat there, once the drum part was recorded, and I just looped it, and then from the drum part, I like wrote a bass line yeah. that I liked, that went along with the drum part, and then from that, I wrote like a melody, and threw some like, you know, chords over top of it, and I really dig it. That's awesome. You know, and I, I think I kind of discovered a barrier and kind of broke through it. Was where I was, was trying to so long like write from an instrument that I'm not necessarily really skilled at. You know, so I don't feel as comfortable. You know, right? Find your comfortable space. Right. Find, you know, and of course in my mind I'm like, well, how am I going to write songs at the drums? You know. But the kind of music that I play and that I like to play and that I like to listen to is very rhythmic oriented music, which is basically like funk, you know, funk and, and blues and, you know, the driving force in that is always the bass and the drums and the right. drums are always like a really main part of it. And uh, so sitting down at the drums and just coming up with some grooves and like molding it a little bit and trying some different ideas and then it helped me write a song, which was crazy. I thought it was, I mean, I literally did it like one day. And when I had the drum beat, I, I didn't even really have a problem sitting down at the bass and like writing a bass groove to it. Yeah. I just picked a key or a couple chords and I just like, cause I had that drum track going. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, I can, boom. Yeah, you can sort of like, you have room to just sort of like explore and like yeah, yeah. feel and something it, out. It worked, instead of trying to write this bass line or this like, chord progression or this melody and then and then later put a drum thing down to yeah. it you know and it just worked so much you were better just, you were working backwards for yeah. yourself like so i'm still having yourself. yeah i mean the cre creativity thing again i'll still say is probably my biggest weakness um and even when it comes to like you know when i'm playing the kit with band with a band or like you know with a green acre sessions you know i find myself a lot of time playing the same fills over and over because they feel good or whatever and i and i want to get creative and sometimes you know when you get creative on the spot, sometimes it can work out not great. And sometimes <laughs> you can eat a big pile of dog crap, yeah. And being the drummer and the person that holds like the band together a lot of the time, you don't want to just like try something and then... Yeah. That's a big drain, right? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, what did he just do? <laughs> jazz. Yeah, I yeah. did jazz. I went baby. into some free jazz there for a minute, guys. Don't worry about it. I came in on the six, but you came in on the seven, so... You know, it, it's funny, I, what I notice about people who do have the ability to play multiple instruments is that it's, um, there's a way bigger advantage for them in the creative aspect and in, like, production aspect, whereas, like, someone who's, like, very good at just this instrument can sometimes have a hard time switching over and, like, composing or switching over and, like, you know, trying to make a beat or something on, you know, just just composing in their bedroom. Um, 
but when you have someone who has experience on different instruments, it's like you <clears throat> kind of already have experience in this realm. You well, know? I won't like, lie, man. If, if you're someone out there listening to this and you know you just play guitar. Or, Don't or, try to or, write music. Or, no, 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 no. My 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 advice is this: if you just play guitar, if you just play drums or whatever, you know, go learn another instrument. Yeah. You know, if you play bass, go learn how to play some drums, dude. Literally, just like learn how to play some beats, play with a metronome. Yeah, you, you know, don't gotta be a superstar. You know, do that. Or if you're a guitar player, maybe learn how to play some keys and some chords on I that, like, or like or something. That. And That's good advice. Well, I, and I'm gonna end it. That advice was saying this: every musician I've ever played with, or ever learned from, whatever, any of them who are really good and are actually really good at just speaking music. I'm gonna say it like that: they're just yes. good at speaking yeah. music. Cool. Um, they know multiple instruments. Yeah. They do. Yeah. Um, because it, they can just they, they can. You know, their mind, they're playing with a band and say they're playing bass, but their minds, you know, they're, they're, they're feeling the drums in a certain way like they're playing them because they know what it feels like to play the drums, yeah. you know? And, or like, you know, when a guitar player is playing a solo, you know, a drummer that maybe knows how to play guitar, they, you know, know what the guitarist kind of like is feeling while they're playing it, so they're in tune, you know? I think it's just, you know, again, it's just like the more languages you know, the better you can communicate with everybody. Yeah. You know, I mean, that it goes the same way for learning Spanish and English and German and whatever. And um, usually those people that know multiple languages are like some of the smartest people in the world, you know? That can, it's very true. And so I, I think as a musician, you know, if, if you're someone who plays one instrument, dude, just go out on a limb and, and say, you know, I'm going to learn how to play another instrument, you know? Maybe end up learning four different instruments. But, and I'm not saying you have to go out and be like, you know, the best at everything. You know, but if you're a decent guitar player, you know, learning how to play drums a little bit will make you a better guitar player. You know? I wasn't recording. No, you're actually, you're absolutely By the way, we're almost there, so I don't know how you want to... Oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll probably wrap up here. Wrap up there. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a weird... Anyways, I don't know where I was going with that. I kind of lost track when I got fucked up. Anyways, so with the Green Acre session and shit, how did you guys kind of like put this together since we're about to go play a Green Acre session? Um, well, actually, when I it was like, I had been living in Toledo for about a year and um, I just kept thinking, man, I want to I wanna be playing again. Because I, like, I played a lot when I was in Detroit, and I missed it. I missed right. it. I want to I play out, you know? I don't care what it is. I don't want to play original music necessarily, but I just want to play out. And um, I don't ever go on Craigslist and look up for people. I've <laughs> oh had that experience. God. I did it. I did uh, it for so many years. So, um, but I went on Craigslist. I was like, I'm just going to look down there. And I found this app, or this uh, post from Jason, our lead singer, guitar, rhythm guitar guy. And... Uh, the thing that first made me really drawn to it was a, it was a very well-worded, well like, post. Yeah. You know, you go on there and it's like incomplete sentences. Yeah, it's yeah, like run-ons. metal guitar, or uh, it'll say like metal band, guitar, looking for guitar, must have this, be able to practice these times, must be very committed. And right. like that's all it says. He talks or, like Donald Trump. Yeah, like, yeah. Right, like Donald <laughs> Trump speaks. Yeah. yeah. And his message was very well worded and said 
exactly what they were looking for, you know, we're a cover band, but also hoping to write originals, we're looking for, you know, a drummer who's versed in the styles, and, you know, it just seemed more legit, yeah. and um, so I called him up, and it turned out we had actually met before, because oh. Jason is from Angola, which is where oh, we're going to play, yeah, and uh, when I was living here, and I was at, like, this bonfire party, he was there, mm. and we met, like, very briefly. Um, so I was like, no way, man, we've so met before. Weird. Yeah, it was weird. So weird. So I went and jammed with them, and pretty much, I mean, right away, it was just, it felt good. That's was how it, it all was started. Was it with Zach? Was Zach already in it? Yeah, it was Zach and Adam and, and Jason. Oh, and so they, they, they The three of them already were, like, had been playing together. And, so how like, long has Green Acres Sessions been a band? Well, it wasn't really a band until I joined. They didn't, we didn't even really have a, there wasn't a name or anything. Oh. Um, they were just trying to start a band, and they were looking for a drummer. And um, so basically, once I joined and we started playing gigs, then the band was the band was formed. Right. So. But but so how long has it since a formed band? How long has it been? How you guys? Uh, let's man, it's so hard for me to think. Um, two years now. Two years. Yeah. And then like I, I know we don't have time for this, but a like two years. because like you guys fall, well we fall into a a, a, a jam category kind of mm -hmm. and is, do you think that's just because of the covers that are chosen or do you think it's because you guys like because like, like you know what I mean I think like, we're just all guys that would love to be in a band that just plays funk and jams <laughs> and but in order to make it you've got or in the area we're in we have to play covers yeah you know well, in Toledo to make money right yeah and we're all, you know, we're in it to, to have fun, but we need to make some cash. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, we like playing covers. I mean, we play covers we like to play. Exactly. We don't really play many covers that we just play for people's appeasement, you know? And right. We've had times where we've thought maybe we should learn some of these because people keep asking for them, but then we're like, no, we're not learning that bullshit. You know, like, <laughs> we're not learning that. You know, some other cover bands can play that. Um, so I think we still have fun with it. You know, we have a few originals. Um, we've recorded some stuff, you know, but we're still mainly, you know, a cover entertainment band. Um, but we make it our own, which I think is cool. Which, which, but, but, uh, um, I mean, it goes back to, like, why, why does Green Acres Sessions get categorized in this jam category? Or maybe that's just me projecting how I see, because, like, and I think where it comes from is this whole Harvest Festival thing. I mean, that's a jam band oriented thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would say we, we definitely do jam or, I mean keep saying the word jam <laughs> we right. definitely do rock out more like free and open and right, right. you know it's a little more improv i gotta see where to pull in here okay this out. all right well then we're gonna wrap this up <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do something on the way home if we're not too tired but okay but uh all right well we'll talk to you later drew thanks a lot for um chatting it up with us yes and let's play a green acre session song which song should we play that's uh, on spotlight <laughs> Um, why don't we play, um, uh, let's see here, which one do I like the most? How about, uh, Seeds You Sow? Alright, we're gonna listen to Seeds You Sow, and then we'll come back and wrap up.
move your feet, you know you lose your seat And loyalty always trumps the seat And before you win, sometimes you burn your feet As the rhythm bumps on the concrete Humming the melody to the beat Oh, with the song inside your head Oh, maybe something pulls out and said it
I appreciate you uh, talking shit with me, and uh, hopefully you still have a job after this podcast. <laughs> I don't think we went too far. I think I cussed a little bit more than I needed to, but it's okay. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll t- we'll talk to you soon. All right. Green Acres is the place to be. Hard living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Manhattan, just give me that countryside. New York is where I'd rather stay. I get allergic smelling hair. Drew Parent, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Drew, thank you very much for chatting it up with me. And I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, go to wespeakenglishgood.net. Check out the whole website. Leave a review on iTunes. Very important. I just went there the other day and I realized that more people are leaving reviews. Now, they're not written reviews, but they're just leaving five-star reviews. That's very nice. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That's that's really surprising to me. <laughs> but that's really nice. And uh, it, it's cool. Um, it's cool that the numbers keep climbing. It's not like great leaps and bounds, but like it's enough, man. Since I've gotten here, it's I mean, my audience has grown, I mean, like almost double. So that's crazy. Anyways, uh, you can check out, um, uh, oh, yeah, write the show. <laughs> you can write the show at wespeakenglishgood at gmail.com. Let me know what you think, what's on your mind, what you like, what you dislike. I mean, you know, trying to keep it civil, but, you know, that's like asking a pack of wild wolves you know, to play nicely with the, you know, the lamb. <laughs> play nicely with that lamb that that wandered from the herd. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at We Speak English Good. That, um, that's, where, that's where the good shit's at. And I also learned how to link my We Speak English Good Instagram with my We Speak English Good Facebook. So now I'm actually putting out more content on my Facebook page. So if you're a Facebooker, you can follow me uh, at We Speak English Good. Or if you're Insta. If you're an Insta person, you can follow me at We Speak English Good. You can also follow my personal page at Mikey. Uh, it's Mikey P. But if you, the ULR is Facebook.com/slash Sweaty Baloney. So if you ever wanted to uh, just go to my Facebook page, it's Sweaty Baloney. Facebook.com/slash Sweaty Baloney, which is a good story of its own. But I'm not gonna bore you with it right now because I am done. We're done. So. Uh, thanks again to Drew, and that's DrewPercussion.com. Uh, you can go to Green Acre Session. The I think it's just there's just a Facebook. Uh, there's Green Acre Sessions Facebook. I'll put all those links in the show notes. And um, next week, so I do want to say one thing. Drew uh, Drew only got an hour, which sucked. I thought the whole trip to Angola was gonna be longer, but. Uh, and then, so the next week is Jason Black, which is the singer and rhythm guitarist for Green Acre Sessions. So that one like went way longer. We did it in his backyard. It was a nice day, actually. 
and uh, uh, the, he, he got way longer. It, I would have totally talked to Drew w- much longer if we would have had the time. So, um, you know, Drew, don't take it personal. We only had a short amount of time together, but Drew can always come back on and we'll do like a five-hour podcast. Anyways, take care of fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. Peace.